Welcome to Theatrically Speaking, almost a playwriting podcast. My name is Jonah Knight. Theatrically Speaking is a part of the Actual Story Podcasting Network. Learn more about this show and others over at actualstorypodcasting.com. If you have a playwriting question, if you'd like to suggest a topic for us, or if you have a play that you would like feedback on, you can visit actualstorypodcasting.com and send us a message. This episode is all about what to expect as a professional playwright. We have a great conversation with Leah Romeo and Caroline Russell King. Both are professional playwrights and both have fantastic insight about the realities of being a professional working playwright. Bios and links are in the show notes. Hi, my name is Leah Romeo. I am a playwright as well as a novelist and a dramaturg and a teacher of playwriting. I am going to be a fellow in the playwriting program at Juilliard starting next year. I've had plays developed at the O'Neill and through the National New Play Network and produced off-Broadway and regionally around the country. Hi, my name is Caroline Russell King. I'm a playwright, dramaturg, instructor, and theater critic. Uh, I've written over 30 plays and had over 60 productions in Canada and the U.S. I'm the former vice president of the Playwrights Guild of Canada, um, sat on many arts boards, won prizes, you know, the usual. <laughs> Thank you both very much for for coming on today and uh, and talking about what what it means to be where you are <laughs> in your careers. Uh, and I guess from the beginning, I would just wonder if if you have personal definitions of what it means to be a professional playwright, because your resumes imply to me that that is a fair title for you both. <laughs> and I just wonder if that means something specific to you to be a, a professional. The thing I always tell students when I'm teaching is I'm a professional playwright. That means I have plays produced professionally. It does not mean I make my entire living as a playwright. So, you know, I think very early on in my career, that was a thing that I thought might happen. Now I'm sort of giving up on that happening. Um, But for me, I think I started saying I am a playwright versus I want to be a playwright when I started having plays produced at professional theaters. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Leah. I think that, that that's the first thing that happens is you get your professional productions and then you get your card into whatever professional organization that you join as well, uh, Dramatists Guild of America or the Playwrights Guild of Canada. And uh, and then you hope to make your living in it, but diversifying is the way to make a living in the arts. And I'm a dramaturg and a theater critic and I teach as well. So that that's how you do it. Yeah, I think that's... Uh... Uh, great, just great points to sort of begin with. I remember about 15 years ago, I heard um, some trivia that there were zero professional playwrights in the United States that made all of their money from being a playwright. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that is the experience that both of you have had. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then if you really want to self-identify as a playwright and you want that to be the focus of your art, what have you found to be the beneficial uh, sources of income that sort of help the writing component of who you are? Don't don't write on spec. That I don't write on spec anymore. Uh, I make sure I always have uh, commissions. I have a commission sheet on my website so people have a clue about what that really costs. Uh, I get grants before I start. I make sure all the funding is in process. So I always get paid up front. And 
of course, signing professional contracts. So in Canada, that's 10% of the house. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the, that's, that's the big thing. I've had a very flexible day job for the last 15 years, and that's been, you know, sort of the savior of my writing career, to be totally honest. Um, that's the advice I always give people is, you know, get a good day job and be prepared to continue doing it for a long time. Mine was a work from home job, flexible hours. I'm getting to the point now, and this is like a thing in the last couple of years where I don't really write plays on spec either. I did that pretty much exclusively until a couple of years ago, and they did end up almost always getting produced, but I wasn't, you know, writing on commission. And the last couple of years, almost everything I've written has been on commission, which is great. Um, but even so, you know, the fact that I have more commissions and more writing work now is exciting for me from a writing perspective, but it actually means I'm making less money than I was previously because I'm not working as many hours on my day job. And so it's like, you know, I am married to someone who makes more money than I do and who has health insurance. And that's why it works for me at this point. And that's not even like, oh, my husband makes more money so I can afford to work for free. It's my husband makes more money so I can afford to work for pay in my industry where the pay is so low that I could not afford to do this work for pay without that. So it's not a great situation financially. Yeah, I think um, it, it sort of feels as though it has been that way certainly in 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 our in our memorable history here in in North America that that there are sort of ways to do it that there are ways to occupy all of your time with writing for theater and then getting the balance of the pay to support that strictly from theater is a little trickier Caroline do you teach as well do you do yeah. workshops yeah I, I, I teach, um, adult ed, continuing ed. Um, and I teach, yeah, intro to playwriting and advanced playwriting. Uh, I lead groups in Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. That's kind of my, my wheelhouse. Um, and, uh, marketing workshops, promotional workshops, those kind of things every once in a while. So for both of you, when you have students that want to take playwriting seriously and come into your classes already self-identifying as a playwright and absolutely committed to this being their artistic medium. What is the conversation that you have with younger writers or, or writers that are newer to the industry? I say get a good day job. <laughs> and I tend to recommend to people that they not move to New York, even though that was the thing that I did. I was in not New York, but New Jersey, right across the river. Um, and you know, there's so much exciting going on in New York, but I honestly think like for a young playwright starting now, it makes more sense to move to a smaller city where there's still an active, vibrant local theater scene, but where it's a little bit easier to establish yourself and actually become part of that scene than it is in New York and where the cost of living is lower. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I also think that uh, if you're planning to also cross over into film and television, that's a, a good marriage as well, because I know in Canada, a lot of playwrights who make their money in film and television, their hearts are still in theater. They still make money from having their shows done, but that's the, the thing that they straddle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like almost all playwrights want to work in film and TV at this point, really. And like, if it ever was a stigma, which maybe it was at one point, but really since I've been in the industry, I haven't felt like it is. I feel like it's the opposite now. I feel like it helps your playwriting career to be 
you know, staff on a good show or to have screenwriting credits. Hmm. Yeah. And just doing that, branching out to writing these stories in other forms, uh, can only inform writing for theater. Like once you have to like make adjustments to your storytelling technique, you're, I would suspect that you found that it's, it helps you sort of analyze what you have been doing. And so when you get back to playwriting after spending some time away, writing something else, have you found that it has changed the way you approach a theater script? I think a big thing for me has been realizing, you know, and this is kind of a basic thing, but I don't feel like I honestly mastered, not mastered it even, but like understood it until relatively recently is that, you know, a play should be something that needs to live in the theater for some reason, you know, whatever that reason is like, what is it that makes this story most important, most compelling in a theater space versus some other kind of space versus on a screen versus, you know, some other way of telling the story. So like you were saying, I think working in different genres is very, very beneficial towards like realizing what those things are for each of those genres. Yeah. And and the other thing too, is that sometimes young playwrights come in and think, Oh, I'll just get published and that'll make the difference. And that's really, yeah, that's really not the path either. As, as we know, I think the only exception to that is if you write a very specific type of play and you get into curriculum and then you're picked up in, in universities and colleges, and then that can add up. But the, the other thing is uh, prizes too. I'm going to, I'm going to win all the prizes. That's great. Go ahead. Win all the prizes. <laughs> I want you to. So when when both of you were starting uh, in talking about maybe having preconceptions that being published or winning awards was maybe the key, uh, do you look back on benchmarks that you had when you were starting out and think, I think I was pretty correct about that, or I think I was just wrong about how to prioritize the value of this thing that I thought was really important to being a playwright? I was really naive when I was starting out. I had no idea how to actually run a business. And now I think of myself as running a business. I create product. I have goods and services. I ship. Um, it's it's a completely different mindset. Uh, the way I keep my books, the way I do my taxes, uh, the way I have marketing and promotion budgets. It's, it's a it's a, just a very different mindset from just being a, a, an artist who, or a playwright that thinks, oh, I'll just write scripts. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so smart, Caroline, um, and so interesting to me. Like, I have not gone on that path in terms of, like, really thinking hard about, like, how do I make this a business? I've more, you know, gone on the path of counting on making most of my money through the day job and teaching and then, you know, chasing the traditional markers of success in the industry in terms of the playwriting. And, you know, I've gotten some of them. And I think the biggest thing for me is like, when I was starting out, I had this conception that like you get one big award, like you get into the O'Neill. I had a play at the O'Neill and that just changes your entire career. And all of a sudden, like all your plays are getting done off Broadway or like whatever. And it's like, no, it's not like that. It makes a difference. Like it did absolutely make a difference. And like, some doors were like starting to open a crack maybe that were closed before, but like you still just have to keep doing all the things you were doing before. And, you know, then things slowly change. And I felt that, you know, for sure over the past like five years of my career, things have been slowly 
improving. I've been taken more seriously. I've been, you know, in some rooms that I wasn't in previously, but it's been such an incremental thing. It hasn't been like, oh, one thing happens and it changes your life. Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, I think the biggest misconception that I fight all the time is playwrights think that theaters produce their work. They're saying, I have to get my plays into theaters, theaters. No, people produce your work. So you have to make connections with people. And so when I send my plays out, I'm sending them to directors that either I hope know me through my work or I have a personal relationship with. Uh, and then the rest is just flotsam and jetsam because the rest is like less than 3% that get done, that come in over the transom. And so that, that way lays, lays madness, right? <laughs> you have to, you have to have the plan and know it, know what it is you're doing as well as of course, all the research into the theaters and doing all that. Did you begin with cold submissions, just sending the, the plays out to any address you could find or, or were you on that? It sounds like I you did. were on that from, Yeah. <laughs> How did that? When I was in grad school, I had the dramatist guidebook and went through, and this was back when like most submissions were snail mail. So I would be at the post office every week with my giant stack of scripts, sending them out. And, you know, I didn't get any productions that way. I did get a couple calls from artistic directors who were like very positive, but I didn't at that time know how to nurture those relationships. I mean, it's like what Caroline was saying, like, it's all about the relationships and I think the main thing I didn't understand at that time was that those relationships take years to cultivate. So when I was starting out, I was like, okay, this theater passed on this one script that I sent them cold. Obviously, they will never produce anything of mine versus like now it's like, oh, somebody sent me a nice note. Okay, I'm going to send them my next play. And then I'm going to see if we can have a coffee sometime when I'm in their area and begin to cultivate this relationship that maybe three years later, four years later is going to start turning into productions. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's really wise. For me, uh, my career started off very differently. I started off and uh, as a script assistant, and then a, a production assistant, st- assistant stage manager, stage manager, touring stage manager, uh, and all, all the time thinking of myself as a as a playwright, being a playwright first, and just yeah. So learning the business, learning how theater works and then cultivating all those uh, relationships. And then I was so lucky because I got a, a, a playwright in residency. So I, I had a salary and I got uh, a production every year. And that was how I got my, my footing. So as playwriting really has become more of a career and, and you found ways to make these relationships and ways to sort of move into this, this position of people in the industry seeing you as writers, was is there something that is now there in your in your week or in your your job now as a playwright that you didn't anticipate being there or didn't anticipate as being as important uh, when you were first starting out? So it sounds like making those connections with the people that are in these theaters is a big one, and thinking of them as like living entities rather than as here is the address, and maybe this address will do a thing for me. Yeah, it's huge. The amount of time I spend on, you know, cultivating relationships and marketing is much more than I ever would have anticipated. And I think I spend less time on it than I should, honestly. And it's still really a lot of time. Like it's, even if I didn't have teaching jobs and a day job, this would be like an extra job in addition to the playwriting job. And then you also have to have the jobs that like actually pay you to support yourself. So it's a lot. Yeah, I think the idea we, we, I don't know, I fantasize about having an assistant who just does all that stuff for me. I'd like to get to that stage where I could hand over some of that stuff, but uh, not so far. 
Well, and I have, for a long time, a big benchmark that I wanted was to have an agent. And then I got an agent a few years ago. And that's another one where, you know, by the time I actually got an agent, I didn't think this anymore. But previously, you know, when I was starting out, I think I thought that once I got an agent, that's how that would be. Like the agent would do all my marketing and I would just write my plays. And that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they don't solve your problems. They just negotiate the things that you've already gotten for them. Well, and that's great. I mean, I am very happy not to read my contracts and not to negotiate my contracts because I am not a good business person. I've gotten myself into bad situations, you know, in the past by, you know, I'm halfway through a production and then I realize I'm not getting paid and I have no contract and it's not a good situation, you know, so it's helpful for me to have an agent, but it is not, you know, someone who handles your marketing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Although I do negotiate all my own contracts and I, I love the wading through everything and picking it all apart and figuring it all out. And, and if, if I had a second or third or fifth career to do, uh, I would be a copyright lawyer. I think that's fascinating. I, I, I love the legal side of it all. Well, we're about out of time, but I think that to sort of finish any theater conversation right now in the world, we have to talk about how the pandemic has affected it. So as, as writers who have had, who had, who went into the pandemic with careers and with some momentum in this industry, how have you navigated the pandemic when so many productions were being shut down and theater was just on hold for however long it will be on hold for? How have you, how did you approach it? How did it, how has that gone for you? I mean, the first thing I did was just got really depressed for a while, you know, which I think a lot of people in our industry did. I had five productions canceled within the first like month of the pandemic and some of them were rescheduled. And then it became clear very quickly that the reschedule time would also not be an option, you know, and one of those was my first NNPN rolling world premiere, which was one of those sort of like benchmarks for myself that I always wanted. And then I had it and then it got canceled. So, you know, for a little while, it was just very sad in our industry. And I mean, I think it's been sad throughout really, but I also think that a lot of creativity sort of started waking up pretty early on. And I got kind of excited about that. And, you know, pretty early on, I started writing for Zoom specifically, and I got excited about that medium, like, like what we were talking about, about different media having, you know, their own conventions. And, you know, it was exciting to me to think about like, what makes a play need to live in these little boxes on a Zoom screen. And I wrote one that's actually done really well and been produced by some amazing, like I've gotten to work with some amazing people on it who I wouldn't have, you know, known or gotten to work with without the pandemic. So it's closed a lot of doors, opened up a lot of doors. Um, you know, I am so excited that theater is going live again. I have a live production running right now that I have gotten to see a couple of times because it's actually in the town where I am right now. And it's really different <laughs> than seeing something on Zoom. Like I realized how much I missed it, but it's also been exciting for me to work in a new medium. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I, yeah, I miss theater. I mean, a big chunk of my time is as a theater critic. So going going to like 80, 100 shows a year. Uh, so that freed up a whole bunch of time. And uh, it's been fantastic. Like I, I, I feel almost guilty about how great it's been. Uh, I've been able to get back to two scripts that I probably wouldn't have gotten back to. I just finished uh, a book that's uh, a nonfiction book called Do It Yourself Dramaturgy, A Thousand and One Things, Questions to Ask Yourself Before You Send Out Your First Play. 
um, and got that to the publisher. I got to work with uh, uh, people in development over Zoom. Um, I, I dipped my toe in the Zoom world, but it, it really wasn't for me, though I, I admire the fact that, Lee, you've been able to make it work for you. Like, good for you. That's fantastic. Uh, my dramaturgy career has just taken off. Like, I, I was average uh, before, uh, probably like three clients, artist clients a, a month. Now it's sometimes three a week. Uh, so I'm working on tons of stuff and more um, cross-border work. And uh, yeah, because I mean, playwrights can still write, so I can still dramaturge and I love doing dramaturgy. Well, Caroline Russell King, where can people find you if they would like to reach out and see what you're up to? www caroline russell king two s's two l's no hyphen king.com uh, and you can find me at dramaturgy on demand leah romeo if people are interested in finding you uh, where can they do that my website is leahromeowriter.com and you can also find me on new play exchange thank you again uh both of you for coming on and talking and we will talk to you soon thank you our theme song is Candy, licensed from the band Ketsa, K-E-T-S-A, music.com. Additional information can be found in our show notes and over at actualstorypodcasting.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.